Welcome to the Wilton Baptist Church, where we worship God, walk with others, and win people to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Pastor Steve, and our congregation is pleased to share this message with you today, and we pray it'll be a blessing and an encouragement to you. Blessings as you listen or watch. We're in the book of Ephesians today, book of Ephesians chapter 2. I see several guests here with us. We're glad you're here to uh, worship the Lord and to be here with us today. And so welcome to all of you. And many are at home watching today, and we're glad they're able to see there as well. Identity, this is our fourth of four messages about our identity in Christ. And so uh, I hope it's been an encouragement to you. This has been the most listened to series of all of our messages all year already. I mean, within two days of posting, there's 200 downloads of these messages. And that's just an amazing thing. It, it tells me that people want to know about how our minds work and, and how God is, uh, has made us and wired us. Knowing who you are. So there's many of you that are hunters today, and so I'll just begin with this uh, pastor joke. It may turn your stomach, I hope not, but there, there were three friends who decided to go deer hunting together. One was a lawyer, one was a doctor, the other was a preacher. And as they were walking, along came a big buck, and the three of them shot all at the same time. Immediately, the buck dropped to the ground, and all three rushed up to see how big the deer actually was. Upon reaching it, they found out that it was dead, but there was only one bullet hole. Thus, a debate followed. So the pastor, the lawyer, the doctor, they're all debating which one of us took the deer down. Within a few seconds after that, a game officer came, and he was trying to figure out what the problem is. And he walked over to the deer, and he talked to the men for just a moment. He said, oh, no problem. I know exactly who shot the deer. He said, uh, they said, how do you know? They all wondered, how do you know the pastor? He said, the pastor shot the buck. How do you know? They said, well, it's very clear to me. It's very easy for me to tell. He said, that bullet went in one ear and out the other. <laughs> I hope as you come to church, the bullet of God's word, I mean, we're taking aim to our hearts today with, with the scripture. I hope that you'll take it to your heart. And don't let it go in one ear and out the other. A couple weeks ago, we talked about I ain't who I once was. That's how we began. And then I'm new for you. Following that, last Sunday, we talked about reclaiming your mind. And we're going to review that just momentarily. And today, knowing who you are. Do you know who you are? As a society, as a family, as an individual, do you know who you are? In reclaiming your mind, we found the sin steps that caused a darkened understanding and creates a foggy mind. So we don't process, we don't think, we don't uh, understand like we, we could because of the sin steps that we discussed. Moral blindness of the heart, lack of spiritual feeling and conviction is the result of this. And becoming numb them, then numb to spiritual things. Ephesians chapter 4 is our passage, verses 18 through 19. Having the understanding darkened. This is what we talked about last week. Being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their hearts. Who being past feelings. So there's that numbness that I just described. Have given themselves over unto lasciviousness. To work all uncleanness with greediness. 
And so these are the results of the sin step that would create this numbness towards spiritual things. Here's a little chart we had. We reviewed this last week, the results of the sin steps. The first is that word lasciviousness. The best way to understand this would be free sex. Just do whatever you want with your body, and it doesn't matter. And There's no morals. There's no moral compass. There's no reason to have a conscience about it. Just do whatever you want, whatever feels good. Do that. And so that would be the word lasciviousness. And then it results in dirty minds, and that would be with your soul, just your innermost core is uh, dirty and thinking dirty, unclean thoughts. So the word uncleanness is the word that's used there. And uh, it could be that you articulate the dirtiness or the filth that's within you by what you say. It could be revealed that way. And then the word, uh, the word spirit here, and greed rather, greed has to do with her spirit, and this has to do with covetousness and coveting, wanting things that do not belong to us. And so th- these are the results of following the sin steps. All of these are results of, it starts with how we're thinking, which is a part of uh, an overflow of how we're feeling in our heart and what we are, are really desiring with our hearts. So when the human heart becomes hard towards God and numbness develops, these sins become more prominent. You go to any high school in our country, you'll find all of these sins. And I'm talking just just among the high schoolers and junior high. It's very evident. You look at society. Just turn on the news. Just walk down the street. Go to a mall or something. You'll see all of these things working out in society uh, because of the sin steps that are in their person's head and in their heart. So this is society today. And it's sad. It's also sometimes a Christian that we would think this way and have these issues as well. And we're all works in progress. We'll see that here in just a moment. So we have an identity crisis, an identity crisis. Uh, Think about compounding factors, and you see these things. You've experienced some of these things. Gender confusion, I'll just say some compounding factors to not knowing our identity. The gender confusion is the result of that thinking process that we've been describing. Many are confused about who they are, just like we read in, that above, in those above verses. The, the, the body, soul, and, and spirit are all affected, like this chart is, is demonstrating here to us. And like uh, what these words of Scripture are telling us. It's clear that this is one of the results. I'll be a girl if I want to be, says the boy. I'll be a boy if I want to be, says the girl. This is not working of what this verse is talking about. The hardness towards God, the hardness towards truth, and I'll make my own truth and I'll be my own God. Ultimately, it's a denial of God who's our creator. And he made us who we are as men and women and the clear identity that he's given to us. All right, so gender confusion. How about uh, COVID depression? COVID depression. So here, here we are. We talk about COVID a little bit, but for a couple years, COVID, COVID has affected our society in great ways that we'll be paying a price for probably for a couple more decades, for a long time, because of the way that things fell out and the way that things uh, happened. Uh, our minds were affected as we were locked in, and fear consumed 
our society. There's continued cases of isolation, of educational issues, emotional issues, uh, spiritual issues, and brain issues. We're going to contend with these things for years to come because it changed a lot of how society as a whole and maybe some of us even as individuals view life and view the way things are. Every report you read about education today, K-12, K to 12th grade and even in, into college, every report, every report says there's academic issues, there's educational issues, and it's even so bad in some states that they're actually saying, it's almost to this point, you don't have to prove that you can read, we'll still graduate you. It's, it's almost to that point. Not quite there, but you don't have to prove comprehension when you're reading and we'll still let you pass. That's how bad it is. A lot of that was trending that way, but it really is, is because of this COVID thing and the isolation and the lack of education, all this stuff. So you have depression, you have mind issues, you have brain issues, you have spiritual issues. You know, there's, there's uh, I, can, I can name off dozens of people that don't attend church anymore. And what, what was the trigger for that? Maybe it was going to happen anyway for them, but they hadn't darkened the door since then. Okay? Spiritual issues. So there's a big price that we pay, COVID depression. How about PTSD? Veterans and their kids, not just the veterans, but the kids as well, pay a price. After two decades of war, there's a price that is long-term effects because of the PTSD. And I've read several studies in the last couple of weeks that it's not just the veterans themselves. It's hard to leave the battle overseas. It's their kids. They come home, and their kids now are affected because of the condition of the home, the atmosphere that's created there. And uh, there's a high price to pay for the freedom that we enjoy. And, and I'm so blessed with our soldiers and sailors and airmen and people who have uh, paid so much. But it's something to contend with. It's something to identify and to understand. It could be that you have PTSD from a bad experience, stateside even. It could be you were assaulted or you had some other intense situation that took place and you're suffering some uh, post-traumatic stress from that and you could also affect your family with those things. And so there's a lot, of, a lot of compounding factors to how our minds work and how we respond to the situations that we find ourselves in. So ask yourself, who is our society or what is our society? Who is our family? Who is your family? I mean, who are we? What's, what's your identity as a family? Who are you? As an individual, make this very personable. Who are you? And then let's read these verses. So think about those questions as we read, beginning in verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 2. And you hath he quickened. Notice the italicized words there, you hath he quickened. That means to be made alive. Who were dead in trespasses and sins. So this is who I used to be before I came to faith in Christ, and he made me alive, spiritually alive now. Wherein in time past... He walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had all our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So your nature, apart from Christ, is as a lost person, who has this fleshly desire, your mind is bent towards sinfulness, but he says you're a new person in Christ, there's a new creation in you, and you have your spirits been made alive by the Holy Spirit of God. 
Notice what he continues to say. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened, there's that word again, quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, I love the future of this, in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Maybe you have those verses memorized, and if you don't, it's a good one. Write it out on a card and memorize those two verses, verse 8 and 9. And our key text today is verse 10. For ye are his workmanship. His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I love this word workmanship. It means that which has been made, a work of works of as God being the creator. A, a wonderful thing that God has made. So think about a craftsman watching some of these guys build this carport back here and just their skill in making these corners and some woodworking detail that they're doing and their craftsmen and I appreciate their craftsmanship and it takes great skill for that. With God's skill, with his great wisdom, his infinite wisdom, with his awesomeness of knowing everything and how everything works that he set in motion, he made you. You could say that you're a masterpiece. The master builder, the creator created you. He made you. In Romans 1 verse 20, the phrase things that are made, it's the same word as workmanship in our passage here. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. So everything that we see, God made those things. And, and he, he created us. You are a creature made by God. Even his eternal power and God said Ed, so that they are without excuse. Um, you are a masterpiece. Well, I don't feel like no masterpiece. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You are. You are a masterpiece created by God. Michael Phelps, champion swimmer, outstanding athlete. Phelps is one of the most accomplished athletes of all time. He won, he's won more Olympic medals than anyone in history. Yet after the 2012 Olympics in London, Phelps admitted to struggling with despair, turning to alcohol and drugs, and even contemplating suicide. He checked into a rehab facility where he was encouraged by his friend Ray Lewis, a Christian and NFL star, Ray Lewis. And he challenged him to read Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life. This is a book from the realm of Christian literature. And Phelps stated in his interview with ESPN that the book, as he was reading this, turned me into believing there is a power greater than myself and there's a purpose for me living on this planet. Phelps lived through the dialectic of his desire and he experienced the emptiness of, a, of worldly success attained apart from God. He had it all, we could say, looking from the outside in. Everything worked for him in his life. But there was still an emptiness and a void and something was missing. And Phelps found that in the Lord. 
He found what he was missing in Christ. He returned to the 2016 Olympics in Rio with a renewed purpose, a desire to live for something bigger than himself, even as he continued to add up his medal count. Now, in this story, Ray Lewis played an important part in sharing his faith with this man, Michael Phelps. But uh, he was having a problem understanding who he was as a person. But now his identity is in Christ. We need to speak this truth to our soul each day. My identity is not in my performance. It's not how well and bad I, uh, how well uh, that I swim or sink. <laughs> um, it's not in how well you perform or not perform at the office or at the school or here in church or in your home. Our identity is in Christ. Who are you? If you're saved, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I am a son of God. I am a daughter of God. I am a child of God. That's my identity. That should be the first thing that we think of. But we must recognize that and speak that truth to ourselves each and every day. Here are three truths to remind yourself that you are a masterpiece in Christ. You are a masterpiece in Christ. Remind yourself of this. And here's three truths to remind yourself. The first is I'm a created being. Next is I have a creative calling. And finally, I'm on the creator's path. All of our identity has to do with who our God is and what he's done in our life. So let's take note on the first one. I'm a created being. Notice in verses 4 and 5, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. That agape, a self-sacrificial love that he loved us with. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace Ye are saved. I'm a created being. You are a created being. And God's mercy to you is rich. He doesn't give to you what you deserve. That's rich. That's wealth. He, that's why he's sharing out of the abundance of who God is. God's love for you is great. It's vast. It's enduring. That love does not stop. He's not giving a, a checklist like, oh, he did good day. I'll love him because of that. It's not like that. God has an enduring love because you are created in his image. And then as a, as a Christian, you are his son or his daughter. And it was at the cross all of this love was, was proved. It was demonstrated when he died there. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. What a great God we have. In Galatians 1.4, Jesus, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. In Ephesians 4, verse 24, that you put on the new man. We talked about this last week. Put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. God made you new, and you're a special addition. There's nobody like you. There's nobody on earth exactly like you. He quickened us together. Now, when we read that at first, you may read that and think, oh, I'm quickened or made alive with other Christians. That's not what he's talking about. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, that's what he's talking about. You resurrected as well. In God's mind, when he looks at you, he sees that you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but now I'm made alive in Christ. It all has to do with I'm quickened and made alive through the resurrection of Christ. That's how we have life. 
because Jesus defeated death. He took your sin and your death and you're, it's all nailed to the cross. And then as, after being dead for three days, he rose again. We are resurrected with Christ. In a long-term scheme of things, as God looks at you, that's how he sees you, resurrected with Christ. Without Jesus, you're not capable of being spiritually alive. Without Jesus, we're not able to be new creatures, a new creation. And here's what we tend to do. We forget about this. I'm a new person. I trust the Christ. I'm a new creature. I have new desires, new goals, new ambitions. I have a new motive for reason and reason for living, like Michael Phelps. And I have a new purpose for being here. And we forget that. And what we do is we lie to ourselves. We listen to the lies of our culture. We listen to the lies of those around us. And how do we value ourselves? Well, it depends on how good I look or how well I performed or how, how, uh, what my, my body looks like and all these different things. That's not our value. It's not our value, but we tell those lies to ourselves. If you're not proactive speaking truth to you, the default is I'll listen to lies and it'll start to sink in and I'll believe it. That's our default mode. That's our natural man listening to those lies. We'll develop and maybe even adopt humanistic, naturalistic, pagan worldviews that mankind, here's an idea that is floating around that mankind is not unique or special. Sometimes people, even Christians will say that we're just animals and that's not true. They don't have a spirit like you have a spirit, an eternal soul like you have an eternal soul. A dog or cat, I'm sorry, I love animals, but they don't, they're not the same as you and me. We're different, we're special, we're unique in the cosmos that God has created, but, but we tend to just start to think like other people and give lies to ourselves. I showed you Dan Amon, Dr. Dan Amon, the, 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 uh, the brain scan doctor last week. I didn't put his picture up again, but I got to meet him last month, and he was talking about how we speak lies to ourselves in one of his, his lectures, automatic negative thoughts. He says, get rid of the ants. Automatic negative thoughts. We get ants in our head. We get ants in our life. Automatic negative thoughts. You know, our natural man wants to complain. We just want to see what's negative, what's wrong. And I'm like that just as much as many of us would, uh, would say. But automatic negative thoughts. Our thoughts will lie to us a lot. This is just some things that he described and I wrote down. Uh, we, we will lie to ourselves. And that affects how we perceive ourselves in our value and our identity. Thoughts are automatic and unplanned. Have you ever thought about that? Okay, it's just like, where'd that thought come from? It's like, I wasn't trying to think about that. Where'd that thought come from? Okay, you don't normally think, unless you have an agenda, think about this today at 520. I'm going to think about that. Okay, we don't do that. Thoughts are just automatic. You just pop into our head or something triggers an idea and we see that. Avoid saying, he said, avoid saying everything that you think. It's really smart. Avoid saying everything that you think. Some of us need to practice that a little bit more. Um, especially in marriage, he said. Don't say everything that you think, especially to your spouse. Um, it could be true, but you need to make sure you're, you're right. <laughs> we need to be loving. Okay. He went on to say, you do not need to believe everything you think. Mm, that's really a good truth. Sometimes we think, if we think it, I thunk it, so it must be true. It's not true necessarily. Just because you think it, sometimes we misperceive things, we see things differently or wrong, or we don't hear everything, and we don't have every side to the story, and so we could end up like that. Don't believe everything that you're thinking. And he concluded with guilt motivation. 
It'd be the negative, thinking negatively about something that's not near as effective as wanting something, the positive side. I, this is how I would want to be or how I want to be gentle or kind or loving, and, you know, the, the fruit of the Spirit, etc. versus uh, just being guilty like I have to, I have to, I must, I mean, I have to be there. Okay, that's not going to compel you in the right way. So I am a created being. You're a created being and you're a special person before God. Number two, I have a creative calling. This has to do with our good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That's in verse 10. Okay, you have things that you can do, specific callings, abilities, enablements from the Lord that may be similar but are not identical to everybody else on this earth. You're very unique. And the creator God has created us to be creative. Now, notice how he raised us up and he hath ordained us here to these good works. We're raised up to walk in these works. He set me to sit with him. Let me see what the verses are here. Verse 6 is where I'd like to go. He, you, you hath he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ. So you've been raised up. I'm not in heaven yet. I know it. I know it. I'm not perfect yet. Not on this earth, not in our lifetime, not until we reach uh, heaven and eternity. But he set you up to sit with him. This is amazing. Here's God of the universe, the king of kings. He sits you in heavenly places. I can't even imagine how beautiful and wonderful and miraculous and incredible experiencing this will be. But one day, you'll look over, seated, and be right beside Christ. He has seated you in heavenly places. He gives us heavenly places. The beauty and wonder of heaven then is in our hearts. We're thinking about this. We're considering, wow, how amazing heaven is. What a wonderful God he is to save us and to deliver us to this place, to be with him. And not only is it certain in our future, but listen, we're thinking about it right now. Therefore, it can affect us right now. I'm thinking about eternity. I'm thinking about I'm with Christ. In Hebrews 3 verse 4, For every house is built by some man, but he that built all things is God. In Psalm 100 verse 3, Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. God made us. He's the creator who created you. And Colossians 1 verses 10 through 12 tell us that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto the patience and long-suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us. He made us. And he made us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. And so he made us and enabled us to do these good works. There, there are things that you can do, creative things that you can do because God created you that are specific to you, to your person. There's a king who sent three subjects throughout his dominions, and he gave them instructions to do what each thought would please him the most. 
The first one collected curiosities. The second one discoursed eloquently about the glory of the prince. And the third went everywhere simply doing good. Each returned and made his report. Each received praise. The curiosities were soon lost. The loyalty of the second was prized, but the last for his works, for his good works, was exalted above the rest. I think we could say this. You have a creative calling to good works. I have a creative calling to good works. God the creator made us as creatures who are adept at creativity and within that creativity doing the work that God has called us to. How do you, how do you get architecture on a building? There's creativity. How do you have people make fabulous uh, meals and they're nice to look at not only to eat? Okay, it's creativity. Art, drawing, photography, music, playing an instrument, all of these things. These are God-given opportunities and abilities of creativity. And all of this points back to the creator who made all of it possible. So we can see the Lord even in the arts and the creativeness of our lives. Now you have a uniqueness, and I've emphasized this already. You have skill and uniqueness that not everyone else has. There are things that you excel in and combinations that you excel in and strength and beauty that you possess that no one else possesses. And with that, you can use that in serving the Lord and in doing good. You could say it this way. There's no maker model like you. You are a masterpiece and there's no make or model like you. Now, this is kind of a feel-good message, but it's not a feel-good message. This is truth. We need, I'm not just trying to make you feel good, I'm trying to help me and us think accurately about who we are. You are a created being and you have works that God has called you to do and he's enabled you and equipped you to creatively do those things. If you're not thinking good and right, how can you do good and right? If you're not thinking doing good things for the Lord, how can I do good things for the Lord? If I'm not thinking how can I bless others, how can I bless others and encourage and help others. Indifference is not an option. It's not an option. Floating, coasting, not caring as long as I'm not doing bad, that's not the answer. We have to be proactive in the good works that we're doing. Well, just as long as I'm not doing evil, then, uh, you know, I'll be okay. No, God created you to do good works, not just not do bad works. Did you get the idea? So we have to be purposeful about this. Indifference is not an option. So we have to think to do right. When it comes to brain health, there are four steps to brain health. Dan Amen mentioned this once again. Brain envy, he mentioned that you have to want it. I uh, talked about this last week a little bit. And here's the rest of it I wanted to share. Number two, avoid things that hurt your brain. We've been talking about how our mind works and how the chemicals and the hormones in our body work. And so low-value dopamine would be nicotine or alcohol. I was surprised at how hard he came down about alcohol, not only for spiritual reasons, but for medical reasons. Seven cancers are caused by alcohol. That's an amazing thing. So he came down on, on that from a spiritual vantage point, but also a very practical, pragmatic way as well. Marijuana is a dopamine, low dopamine. Uh, dopamine. Well, I, you know, it's not addictive to me. You're addicted to the dopamine. 
even if it's not the substance itself. The dopamine, it's a practice, the habit, the, the substance contributes as well. Uh, cocaine, meth, excessive video games, you could be addicted to that. It gives you low level, uh, a rush here of the dopamine. And it makes you want more. Constantly checking the phone. We can hear crickets, you know. Oh, man. What do you talk, don't talk about my phone, my device, our, vice, our devices are now vices. And, well, I'm not doing so, social media, incessant uh, texting. You know, we, we hardly ever talk on them anymore. But we're searching and researching and finding stuff and constantly swiping and tapping and and that excessiveness of that, whether it's not whether it's social media or not, whatever form it is, that what it does is gives a dopamine rush, and you like it, and you want a little bit more. So I need to know what's happening. I want to see what they're doing, what they're doing. On top of that, it makes us we tend to compare. Remember the negative thoughts, get the ants out. We tend to start to compare. Well, look at how you know they just always look so fine. They always look so good. Uh, everything's just so happy in their life. I mean, why can't? Okay, most of those things are staged, probably. Don't compare yourself to other people. The Bible says it's not wise. But the dopamine rush there that, that happens. Uh, so nonstop selfies. You know, the people are like, oh, oh man, let's just take a, <laughs> hey, come here. <laughs> all the time. I understand a little bit of that, but not all the time. Um, scary movies. Gossiping. These, these are low dopamine things. You know, it gets you kind of excited. Heart's racing a little bit. Dopamine, your, your brain is being flooded with this dopamine. It's an addictive thing. You want more of it. Uh, you, you kind of go high, you crash, and you want some more to eclipse that most recent high. Sugar. Sugar is one. Parents, do yourself a favor and don't feed your kids as much sugar. And I like those donuts and cookies just as much as anybody. And I check what ice cream is available this week. I mean, I, I do... We, we need to be careful not to let it control us and not to not just seek these dopamine things. Some of these seem uh, innocent, you know. A pornography. It's like a fire hydrant, not just a little bit, but a fire hydrant of dopamine, and it changes your brain. Lights on at night, uh, the, the lights of your devices. Um, a lack of sunshine in the day. That is low, a low dopamine thing. It affects the dopamine levels. Uh, he also said, avoid foods that don't love your body or brain. So, like the, I mentioned the sugar, things like that. He said, number three, do things to help your brain. High-value dopamine activity, love, prayer, sex with your spouse, cold exposure. I found that interesting. We could easily do that real soon. Cold, just run outside, cold exposure. Uh, there'd be healthy levels of dopamine. Happy music, not the depressing stuff, happy music. Uh, fasting, intermittent fasting, actually has a good, healthy dopamine levels. It's an amazing thing, intermittent fasting or fasting. Uh, sleep, good sleep. Sunlight, um, when we experience the uh, lack of sunlight in our, in our region, it's it's part of why we think how we do. Uh, ginkgo, he gets into uh, medical things here. Ginkgo, saffron, lion's mane, oregano, cocoa, um, green tea, exercise, good levels of dopamine, magnesium, vitamin D. He says it should be at 50 to 100. And uh, eating food that loves you back. So food that feeds your brain and helps you think right. Not the stuff that makes you rush and go all over the place. So do things that help your brain. Number four, we need to focus on the present. 
and be engaged with each moment. Live each moment with passion and purpose. Because this is the time that God has given to you in the body, with your mind, with your frame, with, the spiritual, with your spirit. Um, happiness, as he concluded, happiness is a moral obligation. Oh, wow. To share happiness with somebody is a moral obligation. To be an encourager is a moral obligation. If you, if you live like this, I should or I ought to or I have to, it's kind of depressing. We get to. There's a big shift in how we think if you change your mind. If you are should, ought to, or have to, that makes yourself and those around you miserable. Jesus said it this way in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. Our mind. And a lot of times in Christianity, we forget the mind. We talk about our body, don't do this, do that. We talk about the spirit, you know, the affection of our heart. These are all important, but you're a trichotomy. There's three parts to you. Your soul, your mind, we need to consider as well. I'm a created being. I have a creative calling. Finally, number three, I'm on the creator's path. Notice in verse 7, as we're walking in these good works, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding great riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. The ages to come, this is the future. God's grace is rich towards you. God's kindness is real towards you. And this is not just in a far off time. It's real right now. It's real right now. You can know it right now. And think about how we're to walk in these good works. Friends, your good works may pave the way for somebody else to see Jesus Christ. Your good works could do that. Our encouraging actions blaze a trail for people to consider Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Our healthy attitudes are signposts on the road of life pointing to Jesus so, on the creator's path, what would this indicate then? God has a plan for your life. There's a way in which he would have you to go. God has a plan for your life right now. God has called you to know who you are in Christ so that you can glorify the Lord and point other people to him. And you're a masterpiece in Christ. Well, I have a long way to go, but I'm a masterpiece in Christ. I'm a work in progress but I'm a masterpiece in Christ. You are a masterpiece in Christ, and all of us are a work in progress. So give grace, show mercy, demonstrate love and compassion, because we ain't going to be perfect on this earth. But we have a perfect God, and he made us, and he sees you, and he values you, and he cherishes you. And every day, we need to remind ourselves of this great love that he made us. I'm a masterpiece to him. Pastor and author Jared Wilson, I like a lot of his books. He said this, he posted it on one of those uh, social media platforms. <laughs> Here's what he posted. When you click on that link, you shouldn't, or put that pornographic phrase into your Google bar search, uh, search bar, you are looking for God. When you go further with your significant other than you ought, when you gossip or put others down, when you eat more than you should, when you are overwrought and undone by someone's criticism, when you endlessly post pictures of yourself seeking some likes or links, 
or some comments of validation or some approval, someone to tell you you're lovely, that you're beautiful, that you're okay, that you're approvable, you're all looking for God. And the gospel announces to us, as he writes, Christian, that you don't have to pose or posture for God. He loves you. He loves the real you. He loves the you of your internet browser history. He loves the you of your inner life. He loves the you that you hope nobody sees or knows. He loves you as you are. He doesn't love some future fixed up, all put together person, future person of yourself. He loves you. And because he loves you, he has sent his son to satisfy the law's demands against you, to satisfy the law's curse over you, to satisfy his own, his own uh, wrath that is owed to you, to satisfy his desires for you to be saved, secured, and satisfied. And if he will satisfy all the record of debt, all the depths of our punishment that's due, can't he be trusted to satisfy you in all things. Sometimes our mind, our bodies, we're just running after all these other things. We're in a search for that contentment, that peace, really that fellowship with God. And sometimes we look in the wrong places. Even Christians will try to find satisfaction in the wrong places, and we forget our identity. Right before Jesus sent the 12 disciples out to preach, they were going to go out to preach, heal. He said, you're going to uh, heal people. You're going to go out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Right before that, Jesus tells them who they are so that they will not live in confusion, so that they would not live in fear or forget their position in Christ. Here's what he said in Matthew 10, 29 through 33, and it's true for us today. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my father which is in heaven. Basically, Jesus said, okay, guys, I'm sending you out. You're going to do great things. It's a, a fierce world you're going to go into. You're like sheep in the midst of wolves, but I want you to know this is who you are. And Christian, this is who you are. You are a masterpiece in the eyes of Christ. When you get off the path, when you get off the path, confess that to the Lord. Lord, help me get back on the path. When you forget where you're going or forget why you're on earth, get back in the Bible and read about your life. Your life is described right here in this book, and your purpose for being here is right here. And who you are in Christ is found in the Bible, so just read it some more. Uh, are you confused at times about your purpose or your priorities? Pray, Lord, show me my purpose. Show me how my priorities, my life should be structured and ordered so that I could glorify you and really be that masterpiece that you created me to be. Have you been thinking wrong? Have you been thinking wrongly about something or perceiving something wrongly? Those, those thoughts are going through your mind. Then get some truth into your heart and soul and into your head at the same time. And start to remind yourself each day of who you really are in Christ. And this is how we can know who we are. Let's take some time to respond and uh, know this. You are a masterpiece. Here's some questions. You can look at them before I pray. It's fine to look up. This response is this. I know and believe God created me. I know it. 
I know God created me. Number two would be, because I am created by God, I have creative abilities and uniqueness that no one else has. God, use my creativity. This is your prayer. God, use my creativity and good works for your glory. And then number three, God has a plan for my life. Your prayer could be this. Lord, let me follow your specific plan. I know who I am in Christ. I want to follow the plan that you have for me. Let's take some time to pray. You can respond to these questions. The first one, I know and believe God created me. I know this. Anybody, just raise your hand. God bless you. A lot of you know it. Yes, God made you. Remind yourself of this each day. Number two, because I'm created by God, I have creative abilities. I'm unique. I have things that I can do that no one else can do. And here's my prayer. God, use my creativity and good works for your glory. Anybody like that? That's your prayer. Use my ability. You give me this creativity. God bless you. Yes. Yes, God bless you with that. And then number three, God has a plan for my life. Here's my prayer. Lord, let me follow your specific plan. I know who I am in Christ, and I want to keep following your plan for my life. Is that your prayer, anybody? A lot of hands going up again. Yes, let's follow God's plan for our life. Maybe there's a friend right now you've never trusted Christ. Today you can believe the gospel, you can trust Jesus, and know that your sins are forgiven, and know that your future is secure in Christ. Talk to me following the service. Would you talk to me? Believe the gospel for yourself. Father, we thank you for this amazing passage of scripture that we are your workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. What an amazing truth. Help us to remind our lives, our minds, our thoughts each day that you created us, that you, you gave us creative abilities and a calling to do good works, and that there's a path that you as our creator made. Let us remind ourselves of these great truths each day. There's so many lies in society, in the world, in our workplace, in our classrooms, and all around us. Let us not just see something on TV and believe it, or hear someone say something negative and believe it about ourselves. Let us see who we really are as valued and cherished and special creation created by you. We thank you for being our great God. Encourage each one with these truths, we pray. We ask that you give us safety as we go now. Thank you for this time of worship today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.